Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. What has happened here is Paul has received word from his friend that there's a church that's beginning to thrive in Colossae. This is 10 miles from Laodicea. How many have heard of Laodicea if you read the book of Revelation? It's not a good thing that God said about the church in Laodicea. So there is a church here that's starting, and they believe, matter of fact, it says in chapter 2 that the letter is also read not just in one city but in a region. So in this whole region of Laodicea, Colossae, this this word is being read. He prays for them in the first part of chapter 1, but it's a prayer of thanksgiving. I thank God when I heard what God is doing. How many have heard some stories of what God's doing around the world, and you're like, awesome, and you rejoice, and you pray, and you give thanks. But this is more specific. These are prayers of intercession, and there's two of them in these, chap- in these verses. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. Let that sink in. Complete knowledge of his will. Complete knowledge of his will. Complete knowledge. We've made it so mystical. We've made it where I can't, I don't know you. Pastor, please help me find the will of God. I need to know the will of God. Just chill for a moment. Get alone with the Lord. Get rid of distractions. You know, have a time of silence. Just have, because it says he wants to give us complete knowledge of his will. That means complete knowledge. That means he wants you to know his will for your life. It's not mystical. We've made it so freaky. It's like, man, that's a gutsy prayer to pray. No, it's not gutsy at all. It's scriptural. God wants you to know. God says, my sheep hear my voice. He wants you to be able to go with what he has said to go with, to discard what you need to discard. And I mean it. And sometimes, come on, it's trial and error. But guess what? The Apostle Paul had trial and error. It says in chapter 16 of Acts. Three times I tried to take the gospel into Asia. Three times. How many think that Paul would after once go, oh, I've heard God. I know what to do. Three times it says he tried. Then he saw the vision of the Macedonian man and the gospel went into Europe and changed world history. But we can know the will of God. Just right now, you can know the will of God. Complete knowledge of his will, which will give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Incredible two words. Wisdom and understanding. You know what wisdom is? It's seeing God's point of view. How many want to see God's point of view? You know what understanding is? Living life according to God's point of view. That's very simple. Wisdom is knowing what God wants, seeing, you're like, I need, what's my phone doing? Oh, I put it. You understand that God is saying something to you. That's kind of, kind of how my mind works all the time. Well, squirrel. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. I have, a, I have a puppy, and the puppy and I really get along. My wife doesn't get along with the puppy so well, but the puppy and I really get along because we're both like squirrel. And it, it, so anyway, where was I? Wisdom and understanding. One time... I pastored in 20, for 23 years in Washington State, and there was a gentleman that died, and I did the family, the funeral for the family. Well, the wife, the wife got sick several years later, like maybe 15 years later. She asked the family, even though I was living in California, if, if I could do the funeral. So they flew me up there for the day. I did the funeral, flew back late afternoon, and it's in um, summer. 
And as I'm flying in, late, late afternoon, maybe six, probably seven or eight o'clock at night, we were flying, and because we got in there early, there wasn't, the gate wasn't available, so the, the pilot took us around the city more than once. Um, if you've ever flown in Chicago, same thing happens. And so as I'm flying, though, I have a window seat, and he kind of tilts the wheel. And because I came in from the north, it was a totally different perspective because normally I was flying east. And I came in from the north, all of a sudden it was like, there's the Golden Gate. That's the Marin Headlands. Oh, there's the city. There's the peninsula. There's the bay. There's San Mateo Bridge. There's the Dunbarton Bridge. There's the Carquinas uh, Bridge. I saw all of it, and it gave me a different perspective of the city, even though I'd probably lived there at the time 10 years. When God gives us his perspective, things that are normal become clearer. When God gives us wisdom, that which we don't understand, we can see his perspective on it, and we see, when we see his viewpoint, then we take that viewpoint, apply it to our life, and that's called understanding, and we understand the will of God. Paul is praying this for a brand new church. These people don't have a Bible yet. They haven't been to the Bible college. They don't even know about Jesus hardly. And he's saying, I want God to give you complete understanding so that you have spiritual wisdom and you have understanding on how to live. I think that's good for us today. Absolutely. Two of you agreed with me. So let's go on. Then the Lord will always, you will always live in honor and, and hello. Then you, the way you live will always be honorable and it will please him. When we have wisdom and understanding, then we're honorable people. The world needs honorable people, right? We need to be people of honor. We need to be people of our word. And so then we can please the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to please Jesus. Worship was so good in both gatherings today. Why was it good? I don't know. It was just awesome. It was different. It was a different awesome. Maybe because Pastor Greg led. But the fact is, not that the other leaders are bad. I'm just saying there's something anointing when dad leads the, the, the house. And so it was such an incredible thing that I'm back there. How can you not? I turn to dust and I go, can you imagine thousand generations praising God? Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Somebody's going to be doing a Gregorian chant. Somebody's going to be beating some weird drum. Somebody else is going to be having a rock and roll band. It's going to be incredible, but it's going to be worship. And we're going to be going, oh my gosh. God, you are so incredible. You are so incredible. When the word holy, 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 it means, God, there's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. Think about it. When we've been there 1,000 years, 10,000 years, think about all the different tribes, kindred, tongues, nations that are going to be gathered. But it's going to be one song, one voice going to him. And I don't even know why I'm talking about this right now, but I'm excited. <laughs> Greg just whispered in my ear, he goes, it's like old times, I get you all hyped up and turn you loose. <laughs> and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You know what I encourage you to do? I encourage you to take your Bible sometimes, open it up to verses 9 and 10 of Colossians chapter 1. One, when you're trying to, I don't know how to pray for somebody. 
Pray exactly. Just read it word for word. God, I pray for Billy, and I pray that Billy will have, and you just begin to pray this prayer. This is an incredible prayer that God wants us to understand. He wants us to grow. It's talking about fruit bearing. It's putting roots down. You will have every kind of good fruit. And by the way, the fruit of the Spirit is not for you. When you produce fruit, it's for somebody else. When somebody in the grocery line is being a jerk and you give them long-suffering and patience, who's the fruit for? Them. Because you really want to neck, throat punch them. And you don't do that. You know, and you give them grace. You give them grace to be able. You give them long-suffering. You give them gentleness. You give them the kindness. Every good fruit is not for you. You get to, when you are walking where I'm walking and we're walking in unison, then I get to enjoy the fruit of your life. I get to enjoy the long-suffering that sometimes I need because you want to throw a punch me. And so what the Lord is saying is we need to grow. Then the second prayer, verse 11. We pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power so that you will have endurance and patience that you need. I know we love scriptures that talk about the need of endurance and patience. I know none of you need that, just Karen needs it for me, right? Right? The staff needs it for me. Endurance means it's made up of two Greek words. It's to call under. It's like raising an umbrella up. When God calls you to have endurance, it means to not tuck tail and run. Endurance means it's the opposite of running. God is doing something in your life you don't like. If you're like me, the tendency sometimes is to bail. Right? We bail on life, we bail on work, we bail on marriages, we bail, you know, it's not comfortable, so we bail. What God is saying is come under what I'm doing. That's endurance. Patience is having long suffering. He is praying for brand new believers. Not somebody like me that's been around for 40 years in Jesus. I need this. Think about it. He is, you say, man, I want the meat of the word. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't want endurance and patience. Listen, and it's what you need. What you need, he says. May you be filled. I love this. It's so balanced by Paul. Not only do you need endurance and patience, he says, God's going to give us joy and gratitude. Anybody here need joy and gratitude? Come on. Especially when you're going through endurance and patience. It's the exact opposite. You're supposed to, when you're going through something, it's like toil and work and hard. But in the middle of that, you can have joy. And you can have gratefulness. I shared with the first gathering, one of the scriptures that really has jumped out at me is Romans chapter 12, verse 10, which says, prefer one another in honor. I can honestly say that has been Karen and I's practice for our four decades. We try to prefer one another. When you prefer one another, what happens? You give them the greater place. You prefer. You say, okay, I'm going to give preference. I have guys come to me and it irritates the snot out of me. My wife needs to submit to me. I'm the head of the house. 
like two, dude. <laughs> no wonder you're not. You know, demanding servanthood, demanding that his wife submits. And I just very gently say, got it. But you know what Jesus says you're supposed to do? Love Jesus. Love her like Jesus loves you, loves the church. I said, who has the harder job there? Gentlemen, we can love our spouse as Christ loved. We can. And we, it starts with having joy and gratitude in the relationship and preferring. That doesn't mean you lay down every time. But I want to tell you something. When I try to change Karen, you know what happens? You know, that's what happens. And when she tries to change me, I'm like, you know, I'm chasing her. And so when we try to change each other, we're not trusting God in that. But when I prefer her and say, God, even if she's wrong, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to try to change her. Guess what happens? you got a cantankerous boss. This works on the job. It works in life. If we would have a spirit of preference to one another, what would happen? Would there be less fights and less quarrels? Thank you. <laughs> and then he shifts gears. He goes from praying for them. Holy smoke. Um, he goes from praying for them to making declarations about the goodness of God. Last month, Marty and I went to um, a boot camp for Wild at Heart, John Eldridge material. I read the book probably 25 years ago, no lie. Read a couple of his other books. There were probably 12 sessions, and one that spoke to me the most was about making um, alliances or when you agree with something that is said about you. I shared it with the guys at, at um, Thinic Manhood. I had somebody tell me once, one time when I was a young pastor, say, I thought you were a good pastor, but I was mistaken. You are not. So what did I do? Oh, thank you. God bless you. No, it was like I embraced that, and all of a sudden I went into a funk because I'm thinking my calling, my destiny, I stink at this. I'm not very good at this. Matter of fact, this person who I admired said this about me, and I agreed with them. So I made agreements with this. How about making an agreement with what Paul says? Listen to what he's saying. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance. What about speaking over your kids, even maybe when they're in the crib? I used to go in and pray for my kids when they were asleep, and I would, what about praying? You want to know human behavior? Go study human behavior, what parents sometimes say at a playground. You know, I can't believe you fell off that swing. Little kid's going, I am three. You know, <laughs> and yet we, we make declarations over their life many times. How about saying, God has enabled you? Not your own strength. God has enabled you to have, to be able to share in his inheritance. Then one of the most iconic verses of Paul. I love this. Listen to what he says. For he has rescued us. He has transferred us. He has purchased us. And he has forgiven us. 
What about making those declarations when you feel like you've made a huge mistake? What about saying that over your life? God, you have transferred me. You have rescued me. You have redeemed or purchased me. You have forgiven me. What an incredible thing. That needs to be on our lips every morning. God, thank you that you've transferred me. How, what's that mean? It means to take me from one place to another. What did he take me from? Darkness into light. Then he says, he has rescued me. And that's the same idea. It's the idea, I, I, I love rescue and redeem because redeem means that God not only purchased us, it's like a slave being on the market and God and Jesus steps forward and says, I'll take their place. But it's not only that he, that he purchased us. You know what's remarkable? He set us free. See, some people don't like grace. They like grace to say they can do whatever they want to. But we would love to have a list, 10 things to do to be a better Christian. I've told you before, if there's 10 things, God gives me 12. Or maybe I have five. I, I love lists because I can keep lists sometimes, right? The cults keep lists. They do. They keep lists. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Okay, I'm a good cultist because I kept all this list. But grace is this. I purchased you. I've taken you off the slave market, but now I'm going to set you free. And it's a scary thing because you got to get alone with God to find out his will that he wants to give you freely. And then he says he has forgiven us. You know what forgiveness means? It means to pick up and remove with no trace of what was there. I know this is going to outdate some of you, but when I was in school, they had giant chalkboards. <laughs> and they would write my name, Gary. One more time, you're going the principal, Gary. Why? Because squirrel. You know, I was that guy. <laughs> True story. So they'd have my name, and then if I was a good boy, they would erase my name, but there'd be a faint chalk dust and faint, you could still see my name. So everybody that came in the next day, if the, if the whiteboard, that was even before, after my time, if the chalkboard or whiteboard hadn't been clean, clean what would happen was, oh, Gary Peters, two marks. And see, that's what I used to think about forgiveness. It was, yeah, he had forgiven me, but there was still my name there with the, not just a couple marks, but like maybe one, two, three, four, you know, one, two, three, four, that's 10, you know. And then it, he'd erase it. When I went to repent, he'd erase it, but there'd still be my name in the marks. See, forgiveness means this. No matter what you've done, what you're doing today, or what you're going to do tomorrow. It's already been taken care of. Oh, you mean, you mean what happens if I have a fight with my wife and then she drops me off at the airport and I get on a plane I haven't repented yet and the plane goes down? Are you a believer? Do you know Jesus? Guess what? I am so glad that he doesn't keep an account of my mistakes. I love the fact that in... in uh, 
1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter that's in every wedding says this, love doesn't take in account mistakes, doesn't keep track of them. I, my wife tells me all the time, you're great at keeping track. How can you get away from that? See, God has a selective memory, we don't. When something bad happens to us, we file that away. God has the ability to forget, forget, forget. Your sin's been forgiven. Amen? Amen. Your sin has been forgiven. And why I wanted to save bread and cup for the end is think about those four things. Where are they? I haven't even looked at my notes. Here they are. Rescued, transferred, purchased, and forgiven. You need to say that over your life every morning, at least for the next week. And that's why we take bread and cup. Because bread and cup means I've been rescued, I've been transferred, I've been redeemed or purchased, and I've been forgiven. And when I hold these emblems in my hand, you know what it means? I've been rescued, I've been transferred, I've been redeemed, and I've been forgiven. That's why we do it, to remind us what he's done for us. Paul says to this young, fledgling body, these are principles you can live by. You know what? How many of you wish maybe a few years into the message you heard that stuff rather than now? Come on. This is gospel. But the church gives people lists. I told the first gathering, I was baptized three times because I didn't think the first two took. (laughs) I'm serious. I was baptized in a lake. I was baptized in a baptistry. I was baptized in a bathtub because it was so cold in Illinois. So if I am making up a list, everybody look at me, what you must do over the next month, you've got to be baptized in a lake you got to be baptized in a baptistry, and you got to be baptized in a bathtub or you're not really saved. That's how stupid it is. We always make lists, right? You've been rescued, you've been transferred, you've been purchased, and you've been forgiven. <laughs>